Harbon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? A little Baker Bowl Bonanza, as in Baker Mayfield. Two teams should be all over this man. And one of them's a Super Bowl contender already. We're going to look at that. Also, Urban Meyer, more reports coming out about his treatment of players in Jacksonville and also not understanding NFL rosters. There are two branches to this tree. Neither of them are really good, but there are two branches to this tree. It's not just a story about him not understanding or not knowing. There's a bigger picture here. So we're going to look at that. And also, what do we have? One, two, three, four, five new, six, six, six of the 14 teams in the SEC have new basketball coaches. We're going to look at them, rank and file. Now, look, one of them has, what, five NCAA tournament wins under his belt? Is that the best hire? So we're going to discuss that as well. All right, Harp on Sports, the bar, the podcast. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports, Twitter, and Instagram. Harp on Sports, the bar, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Also, Harp on Sports YouTube channel and Harp on Sports Facebook page, harponsports.com. Going to start off with Baker Mayfield first. One of these things that I heard came from ESPN, Dan Orlowski, and it got the light bulb popping and it added another team to the equation as well. And Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that won a road postseason game a year ago. Injuries this year, Odell Beckham dysfunction amongst the rank expectations that fell apart. He was hurt. All of those things. The Browns are bailing on him. They are looking around going, okay, we like our chances with Deshaun Watson more. That's fine. That's fine with me. Baker Mayfield can win. Can Baker Mayfield win a Super Bowl? I don't know. Can he get you to the playoffs on a consistent basis? I think the answer is yes. I do. Got to be the right fit. So there's two scenarios here in the Baker bowling sweepstakes. And the first of which involves the Buccaneers. And it's actually Dan Orlovsky's idea, and it's not a bad idea. I'm going to add some moving pieces to it, though. Now, you're going to have to convince Baker Mayfield to chill out for a year. But I think it's absolutely brilliant, and it would set this franchise up for the next five to ten years. That would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trading Kyle Trask and like a fifth-round pick to Cleveland in exchange for Baker Mayfield. Kyle Trask then sits behind Deshaun Watson. Don't know what that future holds there. If you're the Bucs, you really don't care. Because now you have Baker Mayfield and you have Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield learns under Tom Brady for a year and then is handed the reins. Also, at the age of 45, you can give Tom some time off if he wants it. If not, that's cool. Think about that. You're the Bucks. Now, salary-wise, you're going to have to work on some things, right? But that's one of those if you just tell Baker, just chill. You're going to learn under Tom for a year. You can figure some things out. I think that's fascinating. Will the Bucks do it? Probably not. But when I heard that, I'm like, wow, Dan, that's pretty good. I actually like that a lot. I actually do. I really like that a lot. My idea is a little bit more drastic which is why it's probably not going to happen. The Lions have been looking for a quarterback forever. Forever. They have Jared Goff, who they owe $30 million to this year. They're going to get stuck with that money. However, you can get Cleveland to eat some of Baker's and offset a little bit of that. 
make you stomach that a little bit. And depending on what you want to do with those two guys, there's always a team that's desperate for a quarterback at training camp. Always. Always. So if I were the Detroit Lions, this is what I would do. I would offer Cleveland this year's third-round pick and next year's fourth-round pick for Baker Mayfield. Again, if I were the Lions, I'd offer my third-round pick this year, which is what, the 90... What is it? Is it the 96th overall pick? If I were Detroit, I'd offer the 96th overall pick, my third-round pick this year, and a fourth round next year that can turn into a third rounder should we make the playoffs in each of the next or in any of the two years. Uh, I'll make that a compensatory pick or supplemental pick, however you want to look at it. So a third this year, a fourth that can turn into a third next year for Baker Mayfield. I get Baker in the fold, and then I would offer the Atlanta Falcons the number two overall pick for Kyle Pitts. I would. If I were the, the Lions, that's exactly what I would do. Baker Mayfield, in exchange for my third this year, fourth next year that can turn into a third, and it offered the number two overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons for Kyle Pitts. Are they, gonna re- are they really going to rebuild that around a tight end, Marcus Mariota in a tight end? And all of a sudden, you're the Falcons, you're picking seven, second overall. You've got, what, a top 15 pick on top of that? Yeah. Now, would the Falcons be, if you're the Falcons, you trade Kyle Pitts for the number two overall pick? I don't know. I'd offer it, though, because I think it's better than what you're going to get if you're Detroit anywhere along those wet lines. And if you had Baker Mayfield to the fold, offensive line, you're trading away your third-round pick this year. You still have the 32nd overall pick because you have the Rams, Rams pick, and you've got your first or your first pick in the second round, which is 34th overall. So the Lions, you could trade the number two overall pick for Kyle Pitts, your third-round pick for Baker Mayfield. You still have the 32nd overall pick and the 34th overall pick. So you have the last pick of the first round, which you can go offensive guard. And then the second pick of the second round, where you can go wide receiver or vice versa. Give a receiver to go with pitch. You get an offensive lineman to protect Baker. You are on your way. You are on your way in Detroit. You look around, you go, okay, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, who's aging. The Bears have Justin Fields. No idea what they want or what they're going to get out of him. Um, And also you have the Vikings, who've never been able to figure it out with Kirk Cousins. Here we go. We're on our way in Detroit. Like the the Baker Bowl bonanza begin. That's what I would do. Both of those things are intriguing to me. Now, if you're Baker Mayfield, where would you rather be? Would you rather be in Tampa for a year behind Brady? Or would you rather be in Detroit right now with Kyle Pitts? It's a couple scenarios for you. I think either of them are good. And I, I don't know why the Lions aren't interested in Baker Mayfield. Or at least we're not hearing they are. Who knows if they are or not. And... For the Bucks, not a bad idea. Money-wise, it's going to be a little tight. Same thing in Detroit, though, right? With Jared Goff, it's going to be a little bit tight. $30 million, all owed, dead cap. Next year, they can cut him and save $20 million. So next year, they will cut him. Might as well get that figured out right now. And then if you have Goff and, you know, Baker dueling out of camp, then what happens? Well, the end of camp rolls around. Somebody's going to need a quarterback. They always do. They trade Goff. But they don't, then you have them both. One of them start was well, an expensive, expensive proposition. I get it. Maybe you can get Cleveland to eat half of that $15 million this year. Eat $7 million of it. Maybe then it turns into two-thirds instead of third and fourth. But scenarios for you there. All right. At least that's my idea with the Baker Bonanza. Okay. Sticking with the NFL, Urban Meyer. Oh, boy. You know, you hear the reports about him talking about the players on a missed assignment. If 
it weren't for here, I'd cut you and you wouldn't be making $15 an hour. Basically saying you'd be flipping burgers. That's what it, that means. Whatever. I hear that saying all the time. It's like, oh, he insulted his players. Oh, come on. Coaches say a lot worse than that. That doesn't bother me. It really, really doesn't. Um, it's insulting, yes, but come on. The, the kicking of Lambeau and, and some of those things and kicking players with injuries, that's a lot worse than that insult. Now, not knowing who Aaron Donald was at 99, we got to worry about him. Now, I don't know the context of that. Now, if he's like, 99's a beast, man. we got to worry about Dude's a monster. Hey, look at 55 over there. He's a monster. John Gruden used to say things like that, right? He's like, look at, look at number, look at 17 out there. He's a man. Yeah. So, so I don't know the context and what it was said. He was like, who's that 99? Then it's a, it's a little bit different story, isn't it? Big number 55 on the hit. That, that, so the context, I don't know of that. I don't. Here's the, where I am with Urban Meyer. He's lost the benefit of the doubt with me. So I, whenever I hear a bad story about Urban Meyer now, I believe it. I do. Now, some of them worse than others, again, insulting the players and saying they'd be making 15 bucks an hour if it weren't for him. That's one of those things I'm like, okay, whatever. That, that, that doesn't strike me as earth-shattering or damning. Not knowing who Aaron Donald is does. And do I believe he knew who Aaron Donald is? I don't because of everything that I've seen and heard now. I don't. Which leads me down to this branch. And you can sit there and look, you can continue to throw weight after weight after weight on that branch. It's going to break off the tree. It's about, oh my gosh, look what he did now. Look what he did now. I think everybody needs to take a step back with this and ask a bigger question. And that's, is Urban Meyer the worst hire in the history of the National Football League as a head coach? There have been some bad ones over the years. Some bad ones. Bobby Petrino with the Falcons is a bad one. There have been guys that have only lasted a year as head coaches. There have been guys that didn't work out. Look, Spurrier didn't work out in Washington. There've been coaches that it just, it wasn't a good fit. Marty Morningweg in Detroit, that lasted way too long. They're, they're just guys that didn't work for whatever reason. It just didn't work. But the Urban Meyer mess that lasted, what, 12 games in Jacksonville with the number one overall pick, with all the drama. How long did that last before chaos set in? Three weeks? The bigger question now is every time an Urban Meyer story comes out, you can look around and go, is this the worst hire in the history of the National Football League? You had the number one pick, quarterback of a generation. And he was what, the third, fourth best rookie quarterback this year? Not a lot has to do with his roster, but they were returning a thousand yard running back, weren't they? Were they turning a thousand yard receiver too? Pretty close to it. So... Just, I think the bigger question here with Urban Meyer is every day that goes by, it's not, oh my gosh, look at all this chaos. It just puts another line on the resume. It puts another reference on the resume. Is this the worst head coaching hire in the history of the National Football League? If it's not, I'd love to hear who is in the modern era of football with all this knowledge. And, look, this is not like it's 1985 or 1975 where you don't see everybody. Other, I don't know how you don't know who Aaron Donald is. And again, I think it's a different branch, and that branch is the level of ineptitude in the hiring list. It's the worst hire in the history of the Jaguars. Think about that. Think about that franchise. It's the worst hire in the history of the Jaguars. That's saying something. That's saying something. Um, so I don't know where they go from here. I really, really don't. I don't, but I, well, I know they, they, with Doug Peterson, they're on the right track, but I, 
Urban Meyer, he's going to be at Ohio State. And that's another thing, too. He's going to be part of their their Buckeye Collective where they go around and they find different venues and bring in money. He's a fundraiser. That's what this is. He's making money. Money comes in, and they use that money to pay the players for interviews and things like that. And it shows you that for everybody that loves college sports that says college sports are pure. No, they're not. They're about as dirty as you can get. They are. College sports are pure love of the game. No. Maybe the game itself. And what it is, it's the pageantry of the game, not purity of the game. The pageantry, the bands, it's a production. The best thing about the, the thing that makes college football different than anything else is college football is a production. Traditions in a production. The traditions never change. Players do. The traditions don't. It's a production. So, does it surprise me that Urban Meyer ended up in Ohio State or in Columbus raising money, part of the Buckeye Collective? Not in the slightest. Because at the end of the day, most important color isn't black, it isn't white, it is green. Always will be. Wanted to wrap with the SEC... Swing set back and forth, back and forth. Six of the 14 teams have new head basketball coaches. That's in a year where the SEC was at its best in a decade in basketball. Over a decade, maybe two decades. Auburn was a two. Kentucky was a two. Now, Bama gets dumped by Notre Dame, but Bama was a good basketball team. Arkansas, as of this podcast, is the only SEC team left. So, you know, Tennessee was good. They got bumped disappointing year for some teams, but six of the 14, I mean, we're almost halfway to the conference, the entire conference being replaced. Something's not really talked about a lot. At least I haven't heard a lot, but almost half this conference has a new head basketball coach. So I went through and, you know, Missouri, Georgia, LSU, Florida, South Carolina, Mississippi state, all added new coaches. Okay. And as I look at them, you know, it's tough, right? Time will tell when it comes to a lot of them. It just will. Time will tell. The most successful coaching hire in this conference is Georgia. If I put a blank resume together and said, all right, the team that, all right, a team in the SEC hired a, a coach that has, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, 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 right? It's six, isn't it? Six SEC tournament wins. That's what Mike White has, isn't it? All right, we're going to hire a basketball coach. Uh, that basketball coach has six SEC tournament wins. Wow. Okay. No matter what coach it is. If I'd have told you Florida Gators are going to hire a coach, he's got, he's got six SEC tournament wins, you'd be like, all right, well, who is it? The guy at Murray State doesn't have that. The the guy at Chattanooga doesn't. Who, what coach? Boy, even Porter Moser had six with Sister Jean. And Loyola Chicago, they he only had what do you have? He had six. He had six, right? So what? No, it's Mike White. Mike White has six tournament wins. Wait, what? Yeah. So if you're ranking on success, Georgia has the most successful coach with Mike White with six tournament wins. Now you can sit there and say, "Oh, that's ridiculous." Okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. Looking at it, if you're going to honestly rank these on pedigree and what we've seen, the the school that has the best hire is LSU. Matt McMahon. Matt McMahon has the best resume outside of Mike White 
of new hires. So I was looking at these. Again, if you're ranking of them pure pedigree, Mike White's number one. But if we're going to take a step back and, and look at potential, to me, potential, Matt McMahon at LSU is number one, but then you have probation that's coming. So, But now we're weighing other factors here. To me, just straight out, central casting, looking at it, and I want to make sure I get this right. To me, the one that <laughs> I don't know a lot, I just don't know a lot about, was it Chris Jans, who comes from New Mexico to Mississippi State? I, I don't know a lot about him. I just don't. And that can kind of be a little bit tricky. Uh, Lamont Paris, who comes to South Carolina from Chattanooga, he's had success. Um, Todd Golden to Florida, okay, makes the NCAA tournament. San Francisco, okay, he's had some success. Uh, we talked about Matt McMahon at Murray State. He's been the most successful. Uh, Mike White, you know, uh, uh, Matt McMahon's been the most successful this year. Um, Mike White's the most successful overall of all the coaches that have been hired in the SEC, going to Georgia, Missouri. Dennis Gates, it comes from Cleveland State, makes the tournament, but not a lot of success. If I had to rank them in, in, in terms of potential, potential. I would say Matt McMahon won. Looking at the rest of them, I mean Mike White's track record. If you're really, if you're a betting man, Mike White would be second, if not first. Well, he he underachieved. No, 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 no. You're looking at it from a track record. Who has the best resume of any SEC coaching hire? It's Mike White. Now potential, I think it's Matt McMahon. So if I'm ranking these just basically basically in the eyeball test, and I'll get to an overall one coming up here, I would say Chris Jans, Mississippi State would be at the bottom. He'd be six, just because New Mexico, Mississippi State's tough. Recruiting in Starkville's a nightmare. I'd say that's the toughest. Then looking around, I would say after that, I would say Dennis Gates at Mizzou. Cleveland State, he did a nice job in Cleveland, but not overwhelmingly nice. I would say then that would be five. I would say Lamont Paris at South Carolina from Chattanooga, that would be four. I would say Mike White at Georgia would be three. I would say Todd Golden at Florida would be two. And I'd say Mac McMahon at LSU is the best hire. It's the best hire of the group. It really is. It's the best hire. Overall in college basketball, the best hire is Sean Miller at Xavier. Xavier's a good basketball school. It's a good basketball school. They just drubbed Florida with an assistant. Now you had Sean Miller to the equation, being able to recruit in Ohio, to recruit in Cincinnati. That's a mecca. And Cincinnati and Cincinnati, you know, Xavier and Cincinnati, it's quite the rivalry. You know, was it Josh Pastner? I, I, I'd look at, I look at Xavier's success. I look at what Miller used to do there. I look at what he'll go back there and do. I, I think it's a great hire. I do. Past success. Josh past success. So, I, I think the Sean Miller to Xavier, it's the best hire in college. I think Sean Miller will have Xavier in the Sweet 16 within three tournaments. Good hire. So, SEC Showcase just turns and turns. Almost half that conference replaces basketball coaches. But I, I think the Gators have a good one in Todd Golden. I just, potential rankings. But on paper, Mike White's the best hire of any coach. He has six NCAA tournament wins. Right? He does. Our pod sports, the bar podcast, media, audio, radio network, follow, share, like, subscribe on your platforms at Harp on sports, Twitter at Harp on sports, Instagram, Harp on sports, the bar, Buzzsprout, Spotify, and Apple podcast, Harp on sports, Facebook page, Harp on sports, YouTube channel. And of course, Harp on sports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein.
both are friends. 